We'll take our Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3. Oh yes, go ahead and come on up and do that now. Yeah, a gentleman came by about uh, 12.15 and talked with me out here and asked for prayer. I guess obviously, you know, he felt that we'd be a place praying that we could get a hold of the ears of God, and we can. We know him. He's our father. He's our brother. He's, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ, so we can call him and ask for him. So obviously he thought that we could appeal to God for his his burdens. So let's go ahead and bring him up in prayer. He is he was deaf, so you know we don't really have a ministry for deaf. So we need, I want to also pray that God will reveal a ministry that might be able to meet his needs to hear the gospel and his life, or educating him and and things of God to the deaf people. I'm sure there's ministries like that around. Lord, we thank you so much for your many blessings. Thank you for the opportunity to talk with you and bring petitions to you. Lord, this gentleman came here with needs. He may not know you, but we ask you that you'll raise up somebody who works with deaf people to minister to him. And Lord, we pray for his physical challenges he's going through. He said he had many. Lord, I pray that you give him comfort. Lord, you give him pain relief, Lord, and use the pain in the body to open the mind to the pain in the soul. And that pain is not knowing Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Although I don't know if he knows you, but Lord, I just pray that this is an opportunity to pray for someone who has needs. Lord, you'll meet that need, and he might even come back and will try to minister to him some way, Lord. But we pray this in Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Brad. Did anybody hand out a track today, this afternoon? You did? All right. Just Is it one? One? Good. All right. I haven't heard uh, from the church in Raymore if they've handed out any more, uh, but uh, I've heard from uh, two different preachers that were able to lead somebody to Christ today, and so that's uh, great news that uh, there's uh, more people that... Uh, going to be now in heaven today, and I'm thankful for what God does on these Resurrection Sundays. Uh, the It used to be that Resurrection Sunday was the day where we'd see a lot of visitors, uh, and this is across the board. I'm not just talking about Faith Baptist here, but now the day where we see the most visitors is Mother's Day. So uh, think about that as the Mother's Day is coming up. We have a meeting that's scheduled in Oregon uh, that Mother's Day, Sunday through Wednesday. So uh, think about Mother's Day and, and praying for uh, those we know that are lost. Well, we're in Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to look at a sentence of Scripture tonight. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for the testimony that we heard tonight, uh, Lord of uh, Miss Sherrod and Lord, how you used uh, Holy Spirit conviction of sin uh, with stealing a cookie and 
I think of when she gave that testimony. She probably had done it many times in prison, but that first time to all of those prisoners. And Lord, that must stick with them throughout the years. And Lord, thank you for the testimonies that you wrought in our life. Lord, thank you that we do stand redeemed before you, before the great I am because of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for uh, these two souls that, uh, that I heard of today, that, that their eternal destiny is now changed. No longer a child of the devil, no longer a child of hell. Lord, they now have a home prepared for them. Lord, thank you uh, for the gospel. And tonight, as you have gathered us here once again, and we've opened up your word, I pray that you would open up our hearts. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us very specifically. Lord, no matter where we're at in our prayer life, I ask that we would step it up. Lord, wherever we're at in the matter of praying, Lord, teach us to pray. Take us deeper in the school of prayer. Lord, may we continue to see you do those exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think so that you would receive the glory that is due to your holy name. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We look at this sentence of Scripture. Now, it's two verses, but one whole sentence. And this is a tremendous passage. Uh, it seems like that Paul is trying to describe what God can do. So describe to me what God can do. Uh, it's hard to fathom it. It's hard to put into words. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? God is all powerful. There is nothing too hard for him. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. What a tremendous passage. What God is able to do. What is God able to do? He's able to deliver in the hour of peril when it seems impossible to be delivered from. You think of Daniel in the lion's den. I have a painting at our, at our house there of my grandmother painted the Daniel in the lion's den. And, and uh, Daniel has his eyes up, up looking up, looking on to the Lord. And God delivered Daniel in an impossible situation. And he's the same God. He's the same God of the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. He's the same God today. He's the same God that Daniel prayed to, who, who uh, Brother Brad just prayed to, is the same God that Daniel prayed to there in the lion's den. He's the same God. Daniel 3 and verse 17, the kings, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. That the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had confidence that God could deliver them out of the fiery furnace. God is a God of all power. He is able to deliver in the hour of peril that seems impossible to be delivered from. He's able to deliver us from any and all temptation. You and I can walk in obedience. We can walk in victory. 1 Corinthians 10.13 There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. We just sang about that faithfulness. And when we sing that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, do you understand that we're actually praying to God at that point? We're saying, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Uh, morning by morning, new mercies I see. God is a God of faithfulness. He says, 
But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God always provides a way of escape. Sometimes you know exactly the way of escape is. Other times you might be confused in the moment. Ask God, show me what the way of escape is. Uh, give me that way of escape. God is faithful to deliver us from any and all temptation. He's able to quicken and make alive that which is dead. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. God is able to make alive that which seems dead. Uh, when we travel here in evangelism in July will mark 11 years. I've been to a lot of churches. I've been to many what would be called quote-unquote dead churches. And when I think about God's power, uh, I think of what God could do in those dead churches. And really the gift of the evangelist, part of that is to help revive those situations. Uh, I'm, I'm wrestling over, over telling you a story. I might as well go ahead and say it. Uh, there was a church that my mom and dad and I visited when I was uh, a senior in high school and and this church had about five or six people in the church. Uh, the pastor was in his upper 80s. And when I walked in there, I just thought, dead, dead, dead. <laughs> when I heard the term dead church, that's the church that I thought of, uh, was that church. And so uh, some years later, uh, the, uh, the church uh, got a new pastor, and they had different struggles. Many times they tried to shut that church down. And, and there was one deacon that said, you know, I still believe God wants to do something here through us. I don't believe we should shut it down. I don't think God's finished with us yet. They called another man uh, to pastor about my age, and and, uh, and I and I began to tell him the story. And he had been there, I don't know, a couple of years or so. And I said, when I visited there uh, back when I was a teenager, I said that was a dead church. He says, Tim, you're not kidding. He says, 25 people voted on me for uh, to be the pastor. 23 of them were over the age of 70. Uh, he says, the first few years, all I'm doing, I mean, the first few months, all I'm doing is burying people. He says, that they, uh, the church was just full of junk, and uh, downstairs in the basement, there's several rooms. He says, all those Sunday school rooms was filled with junk. He said, I opened up one door, and inside was a uh, several wheelchairs and even a hospital bed. And he just, just started laughing to himself and saying, Lord, what did you get me into coming into this church? Well, God was not finished with that church. Uh, he uh, then cleared out some room to, to have a, a Sunday school class and have a children's church. And the, the church people were like, Pastor, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm, I'm getting things ready for uh, a children's church that we're going to have. They said, Pastor, we don't have any children. He says, I know, but I'm going to prepare as if they're going to come. And sure enough, God uh, started bringing some younger families and, and uh, some children started showing up. Uh, God began to work in this church in a, in a tremendous way. Uh, I remember... Uh, I remember one time he told me when I popped in, he said, uh, he says, Tim, I, uh, I've been knocking on doors and I think I'm the only one knocking on doors, but we had a visitor that uh, came and I said, where did, you know, where do you live? And they told him and he said, uh, you know, I've, I've never knocked on doors in that area. They said, well, yeah, we had a flyer left at our door, thought we'd come and check the church out. And I said, are you, do you have angels working for you or something? Uh, you know, this, he's like, I don't, I think I'm the only one going out. But, uh, but God was moving in that church. The church where the building was dilapidated. Uh, there was, uh, he said there was mold on the inside and on the outside of the church. I said, uh, Pastor, where was it on the inside? He says it was in the auditorium. Everybody could see it when you walk in. 
And so he uh, goes and, and cleans off all the mold on the inside of the auditorium, the mold on the outside of the auditorium. The very next service, this elderly woman comes up to pastor and says, what happened to the mold? And he says, I cleaned it. She says, when did we vote on that? And it's like, what in the world? Why do we have to vote on mold? Now, I've heard of color of the carpet and other things like that, but I think that's the worst story I've ever heard. Vote on mold. Uh, you know, there's going to be visitors, and they're not thinking about visitors. Oh, you know, I'm comfortable with our moldy church. and uh, But God's not comfortable with the moldy church. Clean it up. And so God began to work in this church in a tremendous way. And, and, uh, and, he's, and the pastor's told me time and time again, he says, Tim, God could have used anybody in this church. Uh, God was wanting to move. God was wanting to revive. And, uh, and the church is going on great for the Lord. God is able to quicken and make alive that which is dead. He can do that in, in a church. He can do that in your life and in mine. He's, his, uh, God is able to make all grace abound in the hour of need for grace. 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Certainly, as we have struggles and trials, we need God's grace in our life. Uh, there's been times where I, I you know, I, I sense God's grace, and there's other times of suffering that I need a deeper grace, and God's grace has always been there. He is, uh, he is able to make all grace abound towards you. Now, God uh, can can provide and work all of these things out uh, that we ask Him for. He says, now unto Him that is able, what's He able to do? All of those things to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, if someone were to come up to me and and uh, and were to ask me uh, for $100,000, I would not be able to perform that. Uh, I would not be able to supply that. But you've got a God that is all-powerful that can supply whatever it is that you need. Uh, he is all-powerful. He is able to carry out perform and supply every promise made anywhere in the Bible, including the amazing promises in Ephesians chapter 3. God is someone who we can ask and has the ability to perform it. He has the ability to perform what you've asked. Now, maybe, and he has the wisdom and all of that as well. Have you ever asked God for something and he didn't answer it and you look back and you're like, thank you, Lord, that you didn't answer it the way I wanted. Uh, I've had that happen many times where I'm thankful. I, we were, uh, when we started in evangelism, one of the things I was, my mind was on is to get a fifth wheel, uh, get a truck and a fifth wheel. And I, and I was thinking about all of that. I'm so glad God didn't answer my prayer request and those things. Uh, Megan even said in the, uh, as we were getting started, she says, you know, we should probably try to get a fifth wheel and things. And then she got on an evangelist wife group text and she says, Tim, let's hold off as long as we can. Uh, most of the group text is this broken the fifth wheel, this broken the motor home. And, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, rough in those areas. And so, uh, I'm thankful God didn't answer that prayer request that I had back then. Maybe someday God will have us do that, but, uh, but I'm thankful that God didn't answer that, even though in my mind I thought that I wanted it. Because God has all wisdom. He knows these things. 
God is able to do these things. He's done these things in the past. He's able to do these things in the present. And he's able to do these things in the future that are found there in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20. So he goes beyond. Uh, this is just like our God to go beyond. He is able to do exceeding. This is, this is a, uh, far beyond, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, we enter into some wording that is most unusual for the Apostle Paul. He uses a double superlative to describe what God is able to do. What is God able to do? This exceeding abundantly is that double compounded word meaning super, super abundantly. Paul seems to use every word possible to try to convey to us the vastness of God's power as found in Jesus Christ. Someone said, language has never been so strained and used to its limit as it is in this doxology. That is because language is inadequate. The Apostle Paul is now trying to define the indefinable. He's trying to measure the immeasurable. See how he piles words on top of another. You could separate this verse into individual thoughts. You can have one sentence that says, him that is able. You can have another sentence, him that is able to do. Him that is able to do all we ask. Him that is able to do all we think. Him that is able to do above all that we ask. Him that is able to do above all that we think. That's something when we ask God for something, but then to just think it, and God still supplies. I've had that happen before where I never even asked God yet. I didn't get around to it yet. Uh, God still provided, even when I had the thought of that need. He, him that is able to do abundantly above all that we ask. Him that is able to do abundantly above all that we think. Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think. It's as if we can't ask big enough. We can't think big enough of what God can do uh, and, and His abilities. God is a God that goes above and beyond. Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? You know, I've got some pictures of what it may be like in heaven. Uh, I think of us sharing our testimonies. I think of us singing. Uh, there was a, a man in the, that uh, sang a special this past week, and uh, I think he's in his 70s, and just a tremendous voice. And I just, I so enjoyed the song that he sang, and and I thought, you know, Lord, I would love to to be able to sing like that when I'm in my 70s. Uh, and I'm like, well, you know what? I'd love to sing like that right now. <laughs> uh, but someday we're going to be in heaven. I think that we're going to be able to have, uh, we're going to be able to sing, we're going to be able to worship the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. This is a God that goes above and beyond. This is a God that we can't even comprehend. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God is able to do above all that we ask and all that we think. He can take what we ask and enlarge it. He can take our thoughts and go beyond them. We see the here and now. God sees the then and there. God is able to do abundantly. Uh, He doesn't just make minor improvements to our plans. He overrules them and gives them a magnificence worthy of himself. We were in Minnesota back in September. 
had a Sunday through Thursday meeting. And I was praying, God, where do you want us to go? We had an open Sunday before we came back to California. And I was figuring I would stay there in the Minneapolis area. I was looking at some of the contacts that we had, looking at their church calendars and, and all those dates and things. That nothing was opening up. And so uh, I was looking at the Royals calendar and, uh, and saw that the Royals were in Kansas City. And I said, Megan, we're about five hours from the stadium. How about we just drive down there? We'll go to Kansas City and uh, maybe get into Kansas and try to visit a church there. So we went to the game that Friday night. This, the meeting ended on Thursday. We go to the game Friday night. Megan posts about it. And then Saturday, Mike Westberg contacts me and says, Hey, what are you doing in Kansas City? Uh, do you have tomorrow available? Would you come preach? And then through that, God opened up the door for us to be there this past week. Uh, that's a 10-day meeting. That's God. That's God doing exceeding abundantly what I even asked or thought. I was just wanting to, to fill a Sunday there in Minneapolis. God's, God's plan was for us to be in Kansas City, to be with the Westbergs, and then to have this whole meeting that we went through uh, the last 10 days. And this is just like our God. He, uh, his infinite power is inexhaustible in his, in its ability to enable us. And yet God is so powerful, yet we can, sometimes we can see his, his, uh, power so strongly, and yet sometimes it is just so light. Uh, it is that whisper as, uh, Elijah found of the voice of God. So often our asking fails to understand what blessed spiritual joys that God wants to provide for us. We are far too frequently content with the supply of temporal and physical needs. So much of our asking is selfish in nature, without awareness of the higher goals God has for us. Paul reminds us of these words that even the tremendous requests that he has just voiced to God are by no means wishful thinking or beyond the possibility of any real fulfillment. God wants to do this exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think in your life. He wants to even do it in our church's life. Are you praying big prayers? Are you praying uh, uh, prayers that only God can answer? One of the things I'm praying for our church, I think I've mentioned this before, I'm praying that God will raise up pastors, will raise up another evangelist, will raise up missionaries, we, that God will even enable us as a, as a church to plant another church, maybe in the Sacramento area. You say, what do you, what do you see coming? I, I don't really see it, but I'm asking God for it. I'm asking God, would you enable our church to be a part of that? Uh, the church that I was just, we were just in there in Kansas City. I mentioned that to them, uh, during the meeting and, and the pastor says, you know, we, we just, uh, God just opened up the door for us. Uh, we are going to have a church planner sent out of our church and we're going to plant a church in Kansas City. And I'm like, wow, that's great. Uh, you know, the Lord wants to do so much in and through us. And I'm thankful that God uses the weak things of this world to confound the things that are mighty. I'm thankful that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And we often pray that with the men's meeting. God, we are weak. We need you. You have to do this through us. Our church, we are weak. And apart from God, we are nothing. We need you, God, to get involved in this and work through us. And he uh, it has that power to do that through us. John 12, 14, verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, 
that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. God wants to work. God wants to, to, to do these things in and through us. So often, though, we limit Him by our sin of unbelief. Matthew 13, 58, And He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. We don't ask. We don't believe that God can do the impossible. Our, our prayers are more of question marks than exclamation points. Uh, we wonder and, and have all of these doubts. Uh, and so we ought to have faith. God's called us to walk by faith and not by sight. God's ability to work in His people are more than they can ever imagine uh, with what God wants to do through us. Sometimes uh, uh, we limit God, of course, by our sin of unbelief. We also uh, don't see answers to prayer because of our own selfishness in our prayers. If you were to say, okay, well, God's a God of all power, so I'm going to play the lottery and I'm going to pray that God will have me win the lottery so that way I can have millions and millions of dollars. And, and you know what? I'll even tell God I will tithe on it and I will even give some to missions. You're probably not going to get that one. That's a selfish prayer. Uh, that's a selfish prayer. The Bible says in James 4 and verse 2, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not. Why? Because ye ask amiss. Ye ask in vanity, in vain, that ye may consume it upon your own lust or pleasures. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not the friendship of the world as enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We limit God by our selfish praying. And this is, uh, we are such prideful creatures. We are so selfish. I, I, even in, this, in the meeting this last week, I'm praying and, and God's just purging me of some things. And, and sometimes when I'm in a meeting or I'm preaching and I'll go through, I'll pray through the message and I'll, and I'll think, you know, I'm going to tell this. And God will, you know, He didn't speak audibly, but He'll speak to my heart. Why do you want to say that? Now I'm thinking, okay, uh, to make me look better? <laughs> yeah, so now it's all about you then, right? And not about me, not about my glory. And that's a selfish reason why I would say some different things. And, and, and God wants to purge us of that selfishness. There's so much selfishness in our prayers. Uh, so much about us. And we need to be, uh, as we're going to get to, about God. Larry Ravenhill said, or no, it was A.W. Tozer said, we'll go into eternity and realize what we could have had in Christ, all of the riches, and yet come to the judgment seat of Christ almost a pauper. What God could have done through us, the exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, whether that power that worketh in us, and yet we'll get to the judgment seat of Christ and we'll see that, that all of that we could have had, but we stifled it because of our pride, our selfishness, our sins of unbelief. God wants to work through us. It's like Paul is saying, don't, don't, uh, does anyone doubt the power of God? He says it's the power that worketh in us. And this is, of course, resurrection power. The Apostle Paul says, well, look at my life. Look at what Christ has done through me. I was one time a blasphemer, a persecutor, an injurious person. I hated Christ with all the intensity of my being. I did my utmost to massacre the, num the members of the church and to destroy it out of sight. I set out to Damascus one day, breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the Christians. 
Never was a man so opposed to Christianity. Never was a man so held by, uh, by all of these things and uh, self-conceit and self-righteousness. How could such a man as I, Saul of Tarsus, ever become a Christian? But yet Christ and His power. But I am a Christian. I am the one who has had the privilege of preaching the gospel to you. How has it come about? There's only one explanation. The power of God. God can change a sinner. God can heal, uh, heal a church, heal a family. God can revive. God can restore. God can renew impossible situations. But why does He do it? Why would He do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think? Why would He go through all of that and, and, and answer these requests that we have? Romans eleven thirty six, For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. I have mentioned before that I have taken, uh, uh, in college I took Greek, and there was no class at Ambassador that I thought was a wasted class. As a matter of fact, some of those classes I enjoyed so much, I took them twice. I failed them. Uh, and one of those was Greek. And I, and I struggled through Greek and, and all of that. I had, I was, I had too much on my plate and eventually I just, okay, I'm going to focus on passing this second semester. And, and the very last thing we were doing in our second semester was diagramming Greek sentences. Now you look at this verse, this sentence is one, verse 20 and 21 is one sentence. It may be a long time since you've diagrammed, but think of all of the words that are used here in verse number 20. How it's just piling one on top of another, on top of another. And so I, uh, as I was looking at this passage, I'm thankful in the day in which we live, I have a Bible program on my computer that has every Greek verse diagrammed. So I don't have to know how to do all of that anymore. It's set there for me. And so I was looking at this, this sentence, and I thought, what is it that it's revolving around? What is the main thought of this verse? It is the Greek word doxa which is translated glory. Why would God do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think? It's so that He would receive the glory that is due to His holy name. It's all about Him. He is worthy. We are to glorify God personally. We see there in verse number 21. Unto Him be glory. Psalm 115, verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. It is about God. It's about His glory. God blesses when we seek to exalt Him, to glorify Him. But when we have that selfishness and that pride, this Holy Spirit is quenched. I was reading of a great move of God that was happening at Liberty University. I think it was in the late 70s, early 80s. It was a months-long meeting that went on, and then one student got up and boasted, and it was all over. That moment of pride. Oh, it's not about us. Not unto us, O Lord, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and thy truth's sake. Ephesians 1 and verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Second Timothy 4.18 It 
And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It is all about God. It is his glory. Because you know what, what you and I deserve apart from Christ is to spend eternity in the lake of fire. That's what we deserve. And we need to humble ourselves before God and say, God, it is all about you. You get all of the praise. You get all of the glory that is due to your name. You are all my righteousness. You're all my goodness. You're all my wisdom. Uh, you're all my, my long suffering. You are my patience. You are everything to me. Unto him be glory. We're to glorify God personally. Then we're to glorify God publicly. He says, unto him be glory in the church. Think about how valuable the church is. Jesus Christ gave Himself for it. He tells us husbands to love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Wow. That is quite a task. How much God loves the church. Psalm 29 and verse 1, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I handed a tract to a lady one time, and she says, I don't need church, I just need God. Now that sounds spiritual, but it's not. How is she going to be obedient to this verse and glorify God in the church if she's not there? She, she uh, thinks that she's, she's uh, right, but she's not. We need to glorify God in the church. We did tonight. We sang those songs that glorified God in the church. We heard the testimony that glorified God in the church. We heard the special that glorified God in the church. Oh, I'm thankful that we're redeemed. First Corinthians, First Chronicles 29.11 Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. We're to glorify God publicly. But then we're to glorify God perpetually. Uh, verse 21, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. He is worthy of all glory. And we're going to spend time exalting him, worshiping him, uh, we're not worthy, but He is. I, I think my favorite chapter in the book of Revelation is Revelation chapter 5. And, he, and they say, well, who is worthy to open and, and loose the, se- the seals of the book? And, and there was no man except Jesus Christ came and was able to do that because He is worthy. Uh, go to Romans chapter 5. Let's look at a few of those verses there. I mean, not Romans, Revelation chapter 5. Uh, this is such a, a great chapter. And it will encourage your heart as we read through some of the verses. Revelation chapter 5, look at verse number 9. And they sent, then they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And it's made into us our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands. And again, this is a scene in heaven. 
And I believe that, that what we read in the Scriptures, someday we're, we're, it's going to be sight. And they, uh, verse number 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. Oh, God is worthy of all glory of all praise for anything good in our life. That song, praise ye the Lord. Uh, praise to the Lord. Oh, let all that is within me adore him. All that hath life and breath come now with praises before him. Let the amen sound from his people again, again. gladly for I or, or forever we adore him. He's worthy of all glory, of all praise, of everything good in our life of anything we can worship Him and reflect back to Him. In closing, I was at a meeting several years ago and I first learned of evangelist John Bishop uh, and he was uh, at Lancaster at their spiritual leadership conference. We had John, evangelist John Bishop at our men's meeting uh, several years ago and oh, how God has used this man in a great way. And uh, He uh, contracted meningitis in 1995 and lost all memory, never has gotten back that memory. He was a pastor at the time. He had been in evangelism for some time, but then was pastoring. He didn't know who the deacons were. He didn't know who the church member were. Uh, he didn't know uh, who his children were. He didn't even know his own wife. He never got that memory back. Uh, I remember he told about when he said he woke up from that meningitis, and there's his wife, Donna, and he, she's, uh, he says, who are you? And she says, I'm Donna. I'm your wife. We're married. He says, what does married mean? And he, she says, well, John, it means that I belong to you and you belong to me. And he says, so you're my Donna? And she says, that's right, John, I'm your Donna. And that's what he affectionately calls his wife. And God has used him all throughout the country. He suffers tremendously physical pain and he's had periods of blindness and, and just all kinds of ailments. He told about that story at our men's meeting when uh, he had to have a surgery that uh, because of his condition at the time, they weren't able to give him uh, uh, anything to uh, numb the pain, anything like that, or put him under. They had to cut him open as is. And he, you know, tried to plead with the doctor saying, uh, I, you know, please don't have me do this. Please don't let me, you know, don't do this. And they said, John, you're going to die unless you have this surgery. And so uh, he asked, he can I have my Donna with me? And they said, yes. And and so they gave him a, a towel to bite on and began to cut him open and do that surgery. And he grabbed onto his wife's arm and squeezed it so hard that it bruised her arm. And he says, I did not think that I was going to be able to make it through that surgery. He says, but God gave me the grace to make it through. And then he said this to, to us men. He says, I don't know what you're going through, but God will give you the grace to make it through. And I thought to myself as I was sitting there, I ain't got no problems. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm good. Uh, man, wow, how God was exalted and has exalted himself through uh, Evangelist John Bishop's life. He's gone through tremendous suffering. And when he came, his wife uh, came with him, and, and I said, uh, and I offered, you know, do you want us to 
you know, hey, you want to have a car that you can borrow? You know, is there uh, places you want to go? And, and she says, honestly, I just would like to stay in the hotel. And if you could take care of him as much as you can, that would be a relief to me. I just need a break right now. And so uh, past, our pastor, he did a fantastic job in taking care of him. Uh, John Bishop told uh, Pastor Rogers that he says, rare is it that I've had a pastor take so uh, good care of me uh, during the time that uh, that he was here. And, and so I, I just, I was so uh, proud as it were of my pastor and how he took care of uh, Brother Bishop. But but uh, I remember him being at that conference and they were giving him a uh, an award, a plaque that was the Faithful Stewardship Award. And they talked about his life. They played a video about his life there at uh, Lancaster and and then uh, they, uh, uh, he got up, and we're all standing and applauding, and, and they want him to say a few words. And he gets up to the mic, and he says, I don't deserve this award. And he points to his wife sitting on the front row. He says, my Donna, she deserves this award. You wouldn't believe all the things that she goes through for me. He, he says, I asked her one time, I said, I said, my Donna, why are you so good to me? Why do you take care of me so well? And she says, well, John, number one, I promised. And number two, because I love you. He says, when I get off of this platform, I'm going to go right to my Donna's uh, lap and I'm going to place this award on her lap because she's the one that deserves this award. Then he said this, someday I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to ask the Lord, why were you so good to me? Why did you take care of me so well? I'll say, John, number one, I promised. Number two, because I love you. He says, any awards I get, I'm going to cast them at his feet, for he is worthy. Unto him be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's see our God do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Let's see God answer big prayers. Prayers that only He can truly get the glory for. Let's exalt Him as best as we can. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.